this episode. So he's arrived late and there's no one else there, but there's two problems on the board. He apologized, he said, I'm sorry I took so long, but these problems seem really hard. And do you still want me to submit them? 125 to 145, you know, they're really high. And she goes, gee, these kids got high IQs. I mean, it's amazing. Anyway, so she teaches these kids and they all absolutely smash the class like it's the best, you know, class out in the school. It turned out that were their, they were their locker numbers. <laughs> Expectation of an event can lead it to occur. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Well, we got a, a story from Mark this morning, and uh, I'm going to just straight over to you, Mark. Lay it on us. Yep, yep. And it's type of story that I think is really useful. About It's about mindset. And so this the, the, the context is 1939, University of Southern California in Berkeley, and a young doctoral candidate called George Danzig arrives late for his statistics class. So he's, you know, it's a graduate level statistics class. So he's arrived late and there's no one else there, but there's two problems on the board. And uh, he just jotted them down thinking they were homework and uh, went home. And so, so that was 1939. So he was interviewed in 1986 and he, he reflected back on that event uh, it was his first year at Berkeley and he had arrived late for a Jersey Neyman class. And so Jersey Neyman was a, a, a you know, famous mathematician. And so he written down the two problems that he'd seen and assuming they were homework, he copied them down and then went home and solved them. He went back to uh, the lecturer, Neyman, uh, a few days later, and he apologized. He said, I'm, I'm sorry I took so long, but these problems seemed really hard. And do you still want me to submit them? And he said, yes, and just put them on the desk. So I put them on a desk without any more thought. About six weeks later, on a, a Sunday morning, it was eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, we were woken up by somebody banging madly on the door. And it was Naaman, the, the lecturer. And he's all excited. He rushed in. He goes, look, look, I've written, I've written the introduction to your, to your first paper. Um, please read it so I can send it off for publication right away. And so I was looking at him going, <laughs> what, what the hell are we talking about here? What is going on? Um, and then Naaman explained that um, the problems on the blackboard were two famous unsolvable mathematic problems maths problems in statistics and that was the first inkling that this guy um, George Danzig had any idea that was anything special about them is that right that's amazing wow yeah yes yeah, it helps not to know it's uh, too too difficult right maybe he wouldn't even had a go at it if he knew that were unsolvable um, problems yeah so. and you might just tinker you know for, for a little bit to go oh yeah they are, they are unsolvable and yeah yeah. yeah, how interesting. It kind of reminds me um, of, you know, that, what do they call it, the, the sort of... The Pygmalion effect? The Pygmalion effect, yeah, yeah. yeah. How does that go again? What's Expectation the... of an event can cause it to occur. Ah, right. Yeah, because I've been reading um, a book called Humankind by Rutger uh, Bregman. Uh, he's and... the guy who wrote uh, Utopia about uh, the, oh, universal, the universal wage. 
Really? Really? Yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, I'm reading this. It's very, it's a very interesting book, very Gladwellian, you know, in the sense of you know, lots of stories. And one of the stories he tells is about a, a scientist who uh, was just running some, you know, sort of, uh, sort of maze, mazes for rats, you know, and he had two cages, one cage of rats that uh, said high, high IQ, you know, good, good at running the maze, and the other one, you know, low IQ, not so great at running the maze. <laughs> and, and when the students actually, you know, went to run the mazes with the rats, the guess what? The high IQ rats actually did very well. But the thing is, they were just ordinary rats. Both of them were exactly the same. There was no difference. Could in, they read the sign? Was it- guess what? They couldn't read the sign as far as I know. <laughs> um, when they looked at it more closely, they, they realised that the students were just treating the high IQ, you know, smart rats, uh, more gently, more kindly, um, and more considerately than they did the poor old low IQ rats. So, um, and as a result, they ran the maze faster. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Just these mindset has an impact on just all those little micro interactions that happen and, and really affect performance. They have an incredible effect on performance. That's one of the reasons why I find this a useful business story is yes. because if, if you have, if you expect somebody to be a fabulous performer, you will make it so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you'll treat them in a way that helps them succeed. And if you think somebody's a dumbass, well, you'll Guess treat what? them like that and you'll cause them to fail. Yeah. You tr- it's so true. I did hear a, a, another one along these lines. It must be a, a popular theme for stories. Uh, I think this is an, it certainly feels like an apocryphal story, but the story is about a, a teacher who uh, is new to a class and uh, she gets her you know, list of names of her students and next to the list is a, is a bunch of numbers and, and they're sort of like, you know, 125, 145, you know, they're really high. And she goes, gee, these kids got high IQs. I mean, it's amazing. Anyway, so she teaches these kids and they all absolutely smash the class like it's the best you know, class out in the school. It turned out that were their, they were their locker numbers. <laughs> so anyway, it, it, I'm sure it's not a true story, but it, um, uh, but it's a fun one. It is, it is a fun one. And it, now that when you mentioned the teacher, that reminded me of a very, you know, this similar theme with that whole, that horrible experiment that a teacher did many years ago the blue eyes brown eyes oh, experiment yes. wow. uh, where well it was it was an eye opener wasn't it in terms of treatment and how it quickly changes the i don't know the nature of how people treat one another uh, and it didn't take long um but it's interesting uh, the bregman is sort of pointing out that some of these experiments that we we think we know really well like the stanford prison experiment um is not as clear cut as we once would have thought, because in that case, you know, in Zambadi became the scientist who ran it, uh, the psychologist, you know, became super famous as a result. And just the fact that I know his surname uh, is an indicator of that, but he, you know, it wasn't really an experiment as much as a performance because he kind of told, not kind of, he actually told the prison guards what to do, how to make them upset, you know, how to push. And he had a, a, you know, a student who was sort of on board with him. In fact, his student was the one who came up with the idea for the experiment. Um, And 
Yeah, so we've got to be careful with some of these experiments. You really do have to go back to the original oh, that's, research that's as much true. as you can, right? Otherwise, yeah. you can get caught out thinking you know something and, um, and find it's really quite not what you expect. Well, how many times have we read the original research and found out that somebody's interpretation of it has simply been that and they've kind of manipulated it to support the point that they were trying to make? That's right. And yeah. they describe the research in a, in a way that it reinforces their perspective. And when you go back and read the original research, it doesn't do anything of the sort. No, no. Yeah, and the one that springs to mind as you say that is that, uh, that photocopier um, experiment where uh, essentially there was a line of people waiting for a photocopier in oh, a yeah. library. And the idea is... If, in. Yeah, you cut, the person cuts in, and if they give an explanation as to why they cut in, they're allowed to cut in, but if they don't, they're not allowed. And then when I read that paper, you know, it was so much, it's such, it was so more complex, and, you know, there was not a clear, you know, the, the story actually made it seem a lot clearer than what the research was pointing to. So, yeah, you got to be careful. Well, we, we covered that in the, um, in the podcast. That's, uh, Is that uh, right? Yeah, a podcast about story from, uh, from, ah, from some time ago, including that very point about the original, yeah. about the original research. So let's talk about the, uh, the story you just Mr. Told. Danzig yeah, and Mr. the unsolvable Danzig. maths problems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the thing about it, I like, that, like about that story, because it's... it's um, uh, it, it has a twist in it. That, yeah, a great uh, twist. Know, great twist. And, I, uh, you know, I, it could have reminded me of good, Goodwill Hunting straight away, you know. Mm -hmm. I was thinking yep. of that as, as you were telling that story. So maybe some of those um, connections. And it clearly sparked a whole bunch of connections. We could think of four or five stories that just popped out as a result of that story. So there's something. That, that's an indication of a good story. I think so. I think so. Probably also an indication of what we're interested in, right? And, sort of, <laughs> and the stories that are in our minds. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, and I, I guess the, and I had, and it was actually visual, even though there, there wasn't too much you said that make it visual, I actually can see that story unfold. So that always is, is helpful. I think, the, what about for you? What, what do you like about that story? <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that it was uh, very, very brief. And uh, it, I think compact is a word I would use. It, yeah. A compact little story that made a very, that had a very clear moral, you know, very clear uh, uh, point. point. Yep. Yep. So that's one of the things that, I, that, that is, that'd be easy to retell, super easy to retell. And, you know, it's got a really strong moment with the guy banging on the door on a Saturday yep. morning. You know, that's, that's like more than, a visual sense. You're now getting multiple senses, sensory input on that particular scene, right? Yeah. Actually, I was talking to a colleague, uh, one of our business partners uh, last night, Mark, and we were just talking about, like, if you're going to leave, in our training courses, you know, like if there was just two or three things you wanted them to learn, what would they be? And we came, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, so the, the three that we came up with was, um, the importance of moments, right? Getting down to that sort of uh, visual uh, sort of moment. Uh, second one was to have a point, you know, in the story. And the third one we, we thought might be really important, which we haven't really talked about much in this podcast, but um, the importance of being a continual, I suppose it's inferred in this podcast, and the importance of being a continuous story collector, right? 
that you have to be on the lookout for stories. I know what's what about for you? What would you um, anything spring to mind for you? Is it like if you were to leave one or two things, you'd have to make sure they understood what it would have been? Uh, look, those three are all really good ones. I'm immediately thinking though about the importance of practice. Um, yeah, right, actually, yeah. and and so all the theory in the world it does you no good with this stuff unless you do it. Yeah. So just getting people to start. Yeah, it's so so important, isn't it? And you know the other thing uh, that's linked to that. I don't think you really need great stories to be a, a decent storyteller in organisations. You don't have to be an amazing storyteller. It just I think the point needs to. If you have the point and you have some moments, you can sort of stumble through it a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And so perhaps another contender for the list of three yes. is that they are the the ordinary things. The power of ordinary things. Yeah, they yeah, don't right. have to be great stories. They just have to be stories. They just have to be events, yes. moments, yeah. things that happen, things that people can feel. And you'll be you'll be streets ahead of other other people who are communicating around the same issue. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, that's a little sidebar, isn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah interesting sidebar. It's got me thinking. Um, so let me. Th- the thing of thinking about like what could make this story even better, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the only question I had in my mind as you were telling that story was what was the mathematical problem, you know, or the, or the, the statistical problem? And I'm sure it had some complex name probably. And, um, but I think if, and I think that would, for, there'd be, for the mathematically minded, not that I'm one of those people, but for the mathematically minded, they might be interested in that problem. So they go and search it out and sort of say, oh, how is that solved or whatever? Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to go there. I remember a lecture in 1989 when I was in uh, in England doing a degree at the Royal Military College of Science in, in maths and stats. And so Mike Bathe came in and he, he spent three hours deriving the constant E from first principles. Right, and right. Yeah. And, and uh, wasn't I mean, your I, bag? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, it was, if you were a mathematician, it was like pornography. It was just magnificent you know differentiating and integrating and i don't know if you equate pornography with magnificent you got to be careful there with mathematics (laughs) mathematics yeah yeah anyway i had a good nap yes yeah yeah so anyway that would that'd be only the only one thing i can think of that might make that story even better and you'd it'd only be a little tiny little thing i don't know what what about for you what's there anything there that you you would tweak and improve I did play with uh, the way I told it. You know, there's a, you know, there's a number of different ways you could, and I just went with bog standard, straightforward, set the scene, talk about what happened, then the reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, now we've touched a little bit on where we'd use it, but what about for you? Where, where would, what's a business situation uh, and a business point that you would draw from this? Oh, I, I guess you know if if one of my one of my team came in and said that that uh, you know one of their one of their staff was not performing, I go well look just be aware of this, right? Yes, and share yeah. that story and go you know it could you know just want you to go back and have a think about whether the way that you're treating them has an impact. It's 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 a revelation when you start thinking about those things. So I think it's hard for people mm-hmm. to hear, mind you, but a story would make it a lot easier for them yep. to hear. Um, and especially if the if the person you're trying to coach works it out for themselves, you know, you just sort of mm-hmm. share the story and then they work it out for themselves. 
that's a stronger result more often than not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, and for you, for me, I mean, I think I can only really think of a similar thing. So I, I don't think there's anything more I would add to it, but it's a, it's going to be a useful little story. I'm going to definitely put that in my story bank. Well, in fact, just to, I'm now going to just broaden it out a bit. Yeah. The, 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 the lesson is that expectation of an event can lead it to occur. Right? Yeah. So if you expect a project to be rubbish, well, there's a very good chance it will. If you expect an event to be bad, well, there's a good chance it'll turn out that, that way. It, that it will. And so uh, just this this thing about the importance of, of, of your expectations. Yeah. You know, so this guy wrote down a couple of math problems. His expectation was that they were homework and that he should be able to solve them. And then he and he did. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. No, I love it. And I guess the other thing is, if people come up against tough problems and they're, they're, they're going, I, I can't solve this, and just go, well, well tell, tell that story and go, maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way. So this, this sort of flies in the face of another sort of aphorism that I sometimes work on, and that is uh, under-promise, over-deliver. So an under-promise is almost a, an expectation of a lower, lower outcome. But I suppose maybe to over-deliver, you need to have that, that pos- you know, secretly have that positive uh, view of it, right? Yeah, that's so, because I, I, I had the same thing. I had a little equation that I had. Expectation minus experience equals effect, something like that. So if somebody walks into, into a workshop expecting 110%, and the, oh, no, sorry, experience minus expectation. So if their experience was... So if their expectation was 110, but their experience was only 100, you know, they've had a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, their, their net uh, uh, appreciation of that event is minus 10. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Right? So yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yes. If their expectation was higher. Yeah. Then, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I always, I hate it when people pump me up at the start of a keynote or a workshop or something. It's like, no, don't do that. Actually, I saw I saw Jerry Seinfeld, I think, on one of those late night TV programs uh, just recently, and um, and the host did this the best comedian in the world, and you know the whole you know sort of and Jerry says, "Don't ever do that again," you know that is, <laughs> you never you never sort of raise the expectations to that high for a comedian because it's only downhill from there, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Even if you miss by just a tiny bit, That's you still right. missed. That's it. So um, he said, yeah, you just got to, he said, no, no introduction is much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Cool. Okay. Well, let's, we, let's... Should, we should probably give this a rating and. Uh... Yeah. What's, uh, oh, it's me to give a rating. I, I, I think this is a solid eight, eight out of 10 for me. I think this is a nice story that's going to go directly to the, the pool room, as they say. Straight to the pool room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it an eight as well. Um, even though it's, it hasn't got as many business applications as other stories. Super, you know, super compact, high impact. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Right, yeah. Anything we need to share with the audience before we head off? All good. All good for you. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Anecdotally Speaking, and of course, yeah, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. 
anecdotally speaking, was engineered by dave stokes from author to audio.